This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. Good to see you, Brian. Thanks for joining me. Of course. We have an important uh, topic we're going to get to in just a moment. Before we do that, just a couple of things, if the podcast has been helpful to you. Uh, we we appreciate those who are writing to us. We were just talking about how many people we've recently heard from, getting feedback and, and ways this has been helpful. Thanks for the encouragement. We certainly are encouraged by that. Uh, if you would write us a review on iTunes, if you listen to this and it's been helpful, please do that. Or feel free to write us at practicalshepherding.com. And, and actually, the topic we're going to be talking about today came from a question that someone sent us recently that we want to honor what we've said and we want to address. So you'll, we'll let you know what that topic is in a moment. Before we get there, one more thing. We have a video, pastor's video cohort, which is a live weekly training that I lead with the ministry here. It's in partnership with the North American Mission Board. And we do a one-hour training, uh, and it's free to all pastors but you have to apply and get accepted into it. And we're accepting applications for the cohort. We're going to start. It's 40 weeks. It's going to start in January. And we're going to close that in a couple of weeks. So by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have another another week or so to be able to apply to it. Go to practicalshepherding.com and, and go to the resources page, and you'll find the video cohort. Go there. You'll see details about it, and you'll show you how to apply to it and the link to do that. But I want to encourage you to do it because once we close it, it will be closed for the year. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And it's been a great experience this last year that we've done this. To dive into the topic, though, Jim, is a topic that that someone sent us. And and we want to do this because, one, just it's an important topic. But also, we feel like in light of what was written to us, it's really common among younger pastors especially. And let me actually read a little bit of this email that was sent to us uh, this, young, this pastor, he's a younger pastor. He's been at his church for about 11 months. He says, things are going pretty well at the church, but there's one thing that I have to do as a pastor pretty regularly that I didn't learn too much about in seminary. Could y'all do a podcast about in-home visitation? My church expects me to be visiting regularly, not just visiting the hospital or in the funeral home, which I do, but I'm expected to pretty frequently visit church members at their home and just kind of shoot the breeze with them. Uh, I strive to do this at least four or five visits a week of some kind, usually between 30 and 45 minutes. My goal for the first year at the church has been to visit every church member at some point, and I've made it through about 75% of our members so far. Could you do a podcast walking through how to do this well? Let me first, on behalf of Jim and myself, commend this younger pastor, because what he just described he's doing is excellent pastoral Work. It's the grinding daily work that we advocate for here at Practical Shepherding. So it's one of the reasons we wanted to be able to, to tackle this, this issue. So we're talking about in-home visitation, maybe not somebody who's sick or in the hospital or, at the, or somebody's dying, you're going to the funeral home, but just member care, going to people's homes and doing that. Jim, before we dig into the details of this, is there any kind of biblical precedent that we should think about that pastors should do this? Brian, I think there is, and you find you know, an obvious reference in Acts chapter 20 where Paul talked to the Ephesian elders about his ministry being public as well as from house to house. You, you have in the scriptures the overall motif of a shepherd as you trace it out and tease it out throughout scriptures. It is somebody that knows the state of their flock. In fact, that's an exhortation given Interestingly, in the book of Proverbs, but it does say, you know, be diligent in the state of your flocks. And it, there is the reference in um, 
Jesus makes in, in John chapter 10 about the shepherd and the sheep. I know my sheep uh, and they know me. There is a, a mutual knowledge. First Thessalonians 5 also brings out something of this uh, knowledgeable relationship that exists between pastor uh, and people. And so that there is a, a private aspect of our ministry, which sometimes we think of in terms of just of counseling. But sometimes it's more than that. It's actually getting to know who these people are that I'm going to preach to and that I'm going to counsel so that when I, I do counsel them or do preach to them, they're not an unknown commodity to me. Yeah, and, and you can add just the other basic pastoral ta- uh, texts around that. So you have First Peter 5, shepherding the flock of God. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 13, giving account for every soul exactly, in your care. Right. Like, this though this is part of being able to do that work. Yeah, right? you, you can't do that. You can't give an account for people in which you, your answer for the stewardship of that soul if, if all you ever see is that person on Sunday. And all you're doing and, is preaching publicly. Publicly, yeah. or if you only have the most casual acquaintance of who that person is and yep. what they're what's going on in their life. Yeah, that's good. So before we kind of dive into talking about this in a modern context, which is what this dear brother has written us about. I want to be able to mention kind of really what is lifted up, in my opinion, is a standard that has existed for hundreds of years for those who knew about it. Richard Baxter, pastor in the 15th century, I believe, or excuse me, um, 17th century, century, is one of the Puritans, wrote a book called The Reformed Pastor. It's a classic book every pastor should read. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to start there if you're trying to think through how to do this well. But it's not what you might think it is. It's it's a book about pastoral ministry and, and pastors. But what Baxter is known for is this incredible standard of visitation that he did. And, of course, this is back in the day where pastors could walk to everybody's where everybody right, lived in their, parish church. in their parish church. But Baxter is known for going and having a very rigorous process where he'd go and catechize right. pe- people and talk about spiritual things. It was a pretty intense, my understanding, of what they did. And I don't believe that we can approach it the same way uh, that Baxter did. It's a different time period. However, what this brother's asking and what I want us to talk about is how do we as modern pastors do this work that's important, but do it in a way that's spiritually meaningful? Because what he's struggling with is he sounds like he's going in and all they want to do is kind of shoot the breeze and there's really nothing of right. spiritual substance that right. comes from it. Yeah, because if you're just doing that, you, you can begin to feel like, I need to be in the study, I need to be doing something else, and it's it's not a profitable use of your time and ultimately really of, of their time. And so I think the question that he's asking is... Uh, how can I reform this or how can I make this into something that's useful? But I do want to begin, Brian, I think you said it. I want to commend this brother as well. Uh, he He's obviously seeking to be sensitive. This is this kind of a situation he's inherited, and he's recognized that this is something that it matters to them. It sounds like maybe some of these are older members. And, right, I'm sure. And this is something that is sweet and meaningful to them. And even if he doesn't quite get why it is, I, I, I think the fact that he is doing it, it needs to recognize that it may take a long time. And even if it never got beyond, in one sense, this chit-chat, he is building, I, I use the phrase a lot of tethering, you know, that you're, there's ways you tether people to your congregation and to yourself. And acts of loving service are tethers, you know, and and, and they to their heart to your heart. Yeah. And the more of those you build, I think the sweeter and better your ministry is mutually back and back and yeah. forth one one toward another. 
Uh, and so, Brian, I think the question comes, how do you take from somebody that wants to talk about the weather, wants to talk about the football game or the high school or grandkids and their favorite recipes and what they're doing for the holiday, how do you begin to transform that into something that is more meaningful, not to say that none of this has any meaning at all, but that is more meaningful, more directly related to your calling as a pastor, that you're not just a pal, but you are their pastor. Right. What are some ways that you, maybe, have you ever had to do this? Has this been something you've gone through yourself? You you had an older congregation than I yeah. did when I started. Right. Uh, so how did you do that, if you did indeed have to go through that? Yeah, well, I did. And I think I need to highlight, I think, a couple of things to set the stage. And that's, number one, what he's talking about. I think we're assuming this, but I think it's a fair assumption that he's talking about the expectation for the pastor to visit comes from older members. That's typically not the case, as much anyways, mm-hmm. with younger members, uh, because it was a practice that was known by by elderly those who are now elderly members World War II generation and maybe right. the next one b- below that. So uh, there are exceptions to that rule and house to house visits are great anyways. But I just want to acknowledge that like you can drop by an eighty year old's home and they feel honored like unannounced typically. A thirty year old's probably actually going to be offended and mad that you did that. It just it, there's going to be exceptions to the rule, but we need to recognize the generational cultural differences here. Mm. The second thing I would highlight is that in the context, I think he's talking about older members in an older established church, maybe a struggling, dying church, that those efforts to, like you said, to connect with them, to to let them know you want to love and care for them, happens big time when you go to their home and go on their turf. So that's one of the things I learned when I had older folks who were hostile to me is when I started going to visit them in their home mm-hmm. or go work with them in their garden mm-hmm. or go walk the neighborhood with them on their on their day, morning walk or mm. going that's how I won some of these people who were against me. So what this brother's already doing like we're not even getting to what do you talk about just right. the act I want to commend that and commend what he's doing and that that is doing pastoral work is whether you before you have a conversation the fact that the pastor would come and go on their turf to talk with them is really important. So that's those are the those are two really important components before we even get into what we talk about. But that's also what he's at. How do we make this meaningful when we are in the garden working with them or sitting in their living room or whatever it is? How do we make this meaningful? What's what's one thing you found, Jim? All right. So I think you want to have a biblically based and maybe even historical idea. So some that's where Baxter, somebody like that, comes in uh, is helpful. You say. Should this be something I'm doing at all? Is this, again, just the whole thing, just kind of a waste of my time and I just right. do Which it? Or a lot of younger there, pastors are not doing this. Right. Is there something helpful and profitable? So I do something formally and informally. Okay. And our elders do this. Okay. So let me talk about the formal because this is really what we're ultimately getting at. So we have, we, we call it oversight is is what we use. It's a, And it conveys a little more than a pastoral visit. And so... In a congregation our size, so at least once a year, at least once a year, every uh, every member is visited by one of the other pastors. I mean, sometimes it's at the church building. Sometimes it's in my our home. Sometimes it's in their home. Sometimes you meet out somewhere. But it's an opportunity to talk about, you know, hey, just seeing you on Sunday— and, and and you've not had any big red flag emergency issues. 
I want to see how you're doing. Yeah. How's your walk with the Lord? Are you having time with the Lord? Is that profitable to you? How's your assurance? Let's talk a little bit about your marriage. Let's talk about where you know, are there are there ways in which you're struggling. How's this battle going? The younger guy, you're always going to have. How's your how's your battle with purity? Uh, are there ways in which you're struggling? Um, and then you know families that have children. Let's talk about where the kids are spiritually. Let's talk about your life in the church. Let's let's talk about are you are you being fed by the word? Are, are there any issues you have with leadership? Whatever it is, you, you have some opportunity. Where are they doing well? Where are they struggling? Yeah. Where can you be a help to them? How can I pray? Uh, an opportunity even to express your affection for them, uh, and, and and so that you feel like. Should the Lord ask you at that time to give an answer in stewardship yeah. for the souls entrusted to you, yeah. that you're able to answer that question? So that's a that's formal, practical oversight that we try to get to. Now so, he's not obviously that's not what he's doing, no, but that's helpful to hear because I think that's that's the that's the ideal of what right. we want to shoot. So for. how do you bring where he is right. over to that? So, but I think that was helpful in what you just said because you're able to do that in a healthy church context where. Pretty much, most of your members are expe- uh, have the expectation that the shepherds are going to care for them. Yeah, they love it. I mean, and they, and want, they want that. Yeah. So, so, I, so that's a helpful to know what kind of the, is the ideal. I think in a healthy context, I think you guys, by the way, at, at your church, have modeled that really well. What this brother is talking about, though, is now in an unhealthy context, maybe, or in a church that doesn't have members who are receptive. In fact, what I found, and I bet many of l- the listeners can relate to this who've tried to do this. The moment you reach out to try to go visit somebody in their home and they're not used to that, uh, it, it they almost think they're at, they're in trouble. And, right. And I've heard right, tons right, of guys right, say, right, right. "What did I? You know, what did I do? Why do you want to come to my house?" So right. I think that he. So what we need to think about is uh, to this to this brother's question: How do we find a, a way to have meaningful conversations and yet slowly bridge that gap to help people receive what you just articulated. Yeah, so I think two very simple things that, that I would encourage this brother to do and maybe incorporate one first and then and then the other is perhaps, in, whether you do it before or at the end of your conversation, for him to begin to say something like, let's, let's commit our time to the Lord. And in your prayer... You ask the Lord, Lord, bless this time. Let it be a time of fellowship uh, in which I can minister to my dear sister. Mm-hmm. And be thinking through uh, a question that could be asked of a more spiritual nature. Uh, look around. See if there's bo- are there Christian books. Uh, you know, Back in the old days, somebody might have sermon tapes out or something like that. That that were listened to and say, or or, or music that's out, um, and you say, tell me about that. Tell me about what 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 do you find helpful, or or is there anything you've been? Have you read anything? Did mm-hmm. you um, did you get any time with the Lord this morning? You know, so it's not just how are the grandkids, but you're beginning to ask those kinds of questions that deal more with the shepherd sheep yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's good. So I think starting with prayer, and and particularly if you close to say, before I go, I'd like to pray with you. And are there any real burdens uh, on your heart? Because, uh, you know, I pray for you, and this is some of the things I pray for about you. I thank God for you. And I do. I pray the Lord will grow you in grace and in knowledge. And perhaps you can even say, and this would be the second aspect of it, 
is to begin to introduce some something of the word. And, and so whether it's just a verse or two, and I think a lot of older folk might appreciate, do you mind if I, I have a, a scripture I thought of in reference to you, and I'd like to read that, and then let's pray together. And yeah. so that they begin then to associate your visiting with your call. So what's the calling of a man of God ultimately? It's the word and prayer. Right. And so what you do publicly, you, you they hear you pray publicly, they hear you give the word publicly, and you take some of that and begin to do that and even the most, in the home. Even the most hostile people that I had visited, none of them ever turned me down to read Scripture and pray with them. Yeah. And so I, I think that's great advice of what you're giving. I, I would put it this way. I would think of it in three tiers that have to be balanced, I believe. And it's almost... You almost want to have these three tiers in mind and touch on each one of them at some point in the 30, 45 minutes that you're meeting with them. The tiers start at the top, which is talk about the weather and talk about the sport, the game that just played. Mm-hmm. Like, that's top. That's kind of just breaking the ice. It's yeah, talking on these superficial you. things, but right. but but that I that are helpful for that person to maybe engage you. Right. The second level is I, I word it. I would word it as you know the story of their life, something that's tied to their life and, and and events that's happened in yeah. their life. So find a way. And again, if you're sitting in their home or if you're working in the backyard with them or you're walking the track with them, you look at something and say, "What? so where'd this come from? Or what what was going on here when mm-hmm. this picture was taken? And and encourage them to share about their life mm-hmm. and learn about them. So you see how that, that takes it from that really superficial level. It's not to a spiritual level just yet, but it's right. it takes it to a more engaged level, potentially an emotional level. A, a more stimulating mental level. And then the last level is to move into some kind of spiritual conversation, which I think you articulated really well. But I think it's hard to, a lot of times, depending on who it is, you can't start there. You, you kind of have to ease yourself yeah. to that place. But I think the goal is always get to that place at yeah. some point. Well, you mentioned the whole thing of their story. Part of that story ought to be to say, you know, particularly if you're newer to the church, I've, I've never heard your testimony. Yeah, what's your testimony? Or, so were you raised in a Christian home, or when did the gospel come to you? Yeah, and, that's good. And, and how did you see it? And that's always a question that we strive to ask of somebody when you're, when you're getting to know them. Hmm. So I mentioned formally, Brian, let me just say a little bit about yeah. informal. Yeah. And, and, and I guess there's a several ways to go about doing that but one of them is i do try to get some time particularly with the men of the church i i, I don't take the ladies of the church out uh i but i do take usually one of the guys in the church say hey can we grab breakfast can you are you available for lunch yeah. and i try every week to have one or two of those meetings meet a guy for coffee meet him for breakfast meet him for lunch and just and it's just building friendship building relationship and I think that that is a help in ministry. We've talked about that in the past in uh, a podcast on affections. How do we build affections and what are the benefits of those of building those affections? And then looking for opportunities to be involved in their lives so mm-hmm. that if they've got kids and that kid plays volleyball, I, I want to go to one of those games. I was at a play, school play last Friday night with one of the 16, 17-year-old kids in the church. Before that, I was at a volleyball game. And you're not doing anything. You're not praying. You're not reading the word. But in the lives of those young people, they they see you. You hug them. Great job. Really fun watching you. Yeah. Uh, and then and that builds again those those affectionate bonds. And because you genuinely love me, it's not that you're doing this with a ulterior motives. You genuinely do love them. But I'm just simply saying that these are opportunities. Yeah. And then having couples or families uh, in your own home. 
showing hospitality and whatever it is to have a family over two or three sometimes you know one family two families at the time talk about your testimonies where it's it becomes a natural thing it's normal to have to a, talk to, about those that, things. that normal yeah. spiritual conversation that yeah. is built in and one through patient love and affection what i appreciate about one of the things you've said is that you're articulating well what what is answering this brother's question and that's how do I know if there's spiritual fruit coming from this when I don't see it? Mm. And what you're talking about is everything we do is not in vain. Like those things, whether we see it or not, chips away at, and, and it begins to earn that trust a bit more. Even if you're just at a kid's ball game right. and you just show and you just, you know, give them a high five when they're all coming off the court and their parent and that parent sees that or yeah. whatever it is. So that would be the thing I would encourage every listener with this is I think it's it can be challenging to do these things, especially in the early years, trying to just get to know people. They're getting to know you. You kind of throw your hands in the air and go, is this, you know, we talked about sports for 30 minutes. Like, does this really matter? And don't miss that you just being in their home, mm-hmm. talk, that's breaking down walls that will, I believe, lead to spiritual conversation. Right. And that man in the pulpit, when he said that, that's a man who loves me. And he cares about me. Because he's been in my home. He's been he's, in my he's home, been there, yeah. and I know him. He's not, he's not just a voice. He's not a stranger up there. Yeah. And sometimes it is through that that you win the right to be able to begin to say some you know, tougher things, harder things that need to be said. Mm. And they're open to you now because yeah, you right. really do love them. Yeah, the last word I'll give on this is that, bringing this back to Baxter, Baxter argues in the Reformed Pastor that, that the reason he goes house to house to care for people, one of the reasons he gives is he says it enhances his public preaching ministry. Right. So people who have he's visited with, talked with, loved on, shown he cares for them, they come more eager to hear the word from that man just to your point. So mm-hmm. so don't miss that even if it doesn't you don't feel like the the fruit comes that you can see right away, don't miss that general principle is true that if you go visit someone in their home and invest in them in those ways and they come hear you preach they potentially will hear with a greater eagerness mm. that you may not see for years. But I do believe yep. God God works in that way. So Amen. let's let's uh let, Jim, will you pray a moment for every pastor listening yeah. to this who like this brother who's been probably discouraged because this this brother's doing some good faithful work. That's a lot of time poured yeah. into that. And we want to commend him for that. But it can be discouraging if you don't see the fruit of it. So will you pray that, that we'll just trust that God's at work as we do this faithful yeah. work? Our Father in heaven, pray for this uh, dear brother and these uh, early days of his ministry that you would continue to guide and bless him uh, in regard to taking care of and loving on uh, the people of his uh, flock. Uh, He has confessed to being a bit of an introvert and finding some of this difficult. And pray, Father, that uh, you may be using this for good in his own heart and uh, and using his private labors uh, for the good. Uh, of the dear folk there. And Father, pray that you would help him as he seeks to transition uh, to a more substantial relationship where uh, deeper matters can be discussed. And uh, Lord, pray that uh, he would be given help and wisdom and wisely uh, guiding these relationships unto that end uh, for their good and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.